This is episode 46 of the weekly eye-catching words podcast, published on the 18th of October, 2023. Hello and welcome to the I Canching Words Weekly Podcast, where every week a 65-year-old man, that's me by the way, talks a whole load of crap about things that are on his mind and he can't stop them coming out of his mouth. Uh, I am a sexagenarian, which is, means I'm between the age of 60 and 69, so I would just like to say that my new strap line is I'm the sexiest sexagenarian there. May both be true, but it will keep me going for a few years until I'm a septuagenarian at the age of 70. But my strap line presumably will have to be, I'm the most septic septuagenarian, if I can still pronounce it. Actually, 80 is easier because octogenarian is much easier to say than septuagenarian. Um, uh, but let's stick with the sexagenarian because uh, it sounds sexy. This week, uh, inevitably, I'm going to be talking about Israel and Gaza. And being serious for a moment, there's a really impassioned clip from an Israeli singer come creative force uh, who put out something uh, by way of a video which I thought summed things up maybe a little bit I hesitate to use the word hysterically because you're entitled to be hysterical when you're when there's blood on the tracks like there are in the Middle East at the moment uh, she was very very impassioned uh, listen to that because that's uh, five that's your best five minutes this week I've also got a couple of other things I'm going to talk about, uh, one of which is bedbugs, uh, the 15-minute city, and I am going to play out with the track The Chinese Way. So here we go with this week's episode, kicking off with my latest thoughts on the Israel and Gaza situation. Another bright and sunny Sunday October morning when everything should be well with the world but of course it isn't and the bit that is particularly not well of course is Israel and Gaza and I say Israel and Gaza very deliberately because as far as I'm concerned they are two countries locked in a war even though Gaza is not recognized as a country. I have huge sympathy for people that suffered during the Hamas terrorist incident last week, directed incidentally by a leader who lives in an apartment in Qatar and isn't even in Gaza. But Israel is about to lose a lot of the moral high ground, if not all of the moral high ground, by the way it is approaching what can only be described as revenge. This is not proportionate. This is very, very sad. But you don't have to take my word for it. One of the many videos, clips and news reports I've seen was sent to me by a friend. And uh, it is a five minute clip, which I'll play in a minute. And it's from an Israeli actress and singer called Akino Amnini. And she is uh, also a human rights activist and a singer songwriter and a poet. And 
she made an impassioned plea from the heart as someone living in Israel as an Israeli citizen who has had many friends and family touched by recent events but also very very concerned that the Netanyahu government should be ousted and the wrongs uh, committed against the Palestinian people are corrected. Listen to this, it's about five minutes, it's really powerful, it's really emotional. Hi, this is Noah. I'm making this video to tell you what's going on in Israel right now from my point of view. And please don't expect anything scripted or politically correct, you know me. And this is from my heart, from the deepest place in my heart. First of all, thank you to all of you who have asked about my personal well-being. I'm okay. My family is fine. My children are here with me. Um, my close circle of friends. But you know, Israel is a small country and we're all connected. They say, Kol Yisrael Achim, Kol Yisrael Arevim. We're all, we're all brothers. We're all connected to each other. And yes, yes, so many people that I know are absolutely not well. No, this country is not well. We are living a horrible, horrible nightmare. I mean, uh, the, the proportions of which nobody could ever have imagined. This is our 9-11. This is a tiny country and the amount of wounded, the amount of dead, the amount of kidnapped, held hostage, the amount of tragedy and horror is unfathomable and the magnitude is only now being revealed because a lot of things were censored and now we're starting to realize what happened here. Terrorists infiltrated the border with Gaza. They came to slaughter and kill and kidnap and rape and burn alive and conquer and take bodies and mutilate bodies and take women and children and babies and old people and 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 that's what they did they were successful at everything and bombs coming from Gaza and bombs coming from the north i mean the israeli population is stunned i mean it's it's devastating my friends it's devastating i can't even describe to you i mean i know there, there are other countries out there and other people who have suffered wars but I think this country has never, never, definitely not in my lifetime, and of all the horrible wars, I think this is probably the most horrible. The surprise, the shock, everything we held true, shattered. We thought we had a strong army. We thought we had the best special intelligence in the world. We thought and we thought and we thought we thought we had a government that was protecting us. Nothing, nothing, everything. We were betrayed. The Israeli people were thrown to the dogs. And, and, and I can't, the devastation, I mean, it's, it's enormous. The amount of people. Suffering. I mean, I mean, I've been. I can't stop crying. Actually, right now I'm not crying. Right now I'm trying to be serious. Right now I'm also very, very angry and frustrated. But I'm trying to find love in my heart. You know what gives me hope? The incredible love that I see around the volunteering, the courage of the people, the solidarity. Those same people that you saw demonstrating for weeks and weeks, for months, against the dictatorship coup, against this evil government warning that this would happen and here it has happened what's the first thing they do they run to volunteer to help each other they run with their with, with with their with their hearts with their talents with their money with food with supplies to help each other and that is so inspiring i'm proud to be part of this nation that behaves in such a way it's so beautiful and the other thing that gives me hope is that after we've counted our dead and buried them and mourned and cried after we've brought back the hostages that's terrifying I can't imagine what they must be going through and the, the fathers and the mothers here in Israel not knowing where their children are. And after we've ousted this horrible government and brought decent people to run this country, and after we've asked all the hardest questions, then the chosen people will have to choose. Who are we? 
What kind of nation are we? What kind of people? What kind of country? Who are we? Me, I've, I've made the choices already years ago, and I continue to make them every single day. I choose peace. I choose solidarity. I choose to end the occupation. I don't want to conquer another people. I don't want their misery. I want their happiness. I know that their well-being is my well-being. All people are connected. We are one. I choose rights for everybody, from the river to the sea and everywhere in the world, equal in human rights and dignity and respect. I choose to be a light upon nations. I choose light for all nations. Is this possible? I believe it is. And maybe from this def devastation, this hope will grow. This vision will manifest itself finally, like a baby being born after pain. I know it well. F3. And if, if, if we manage to do all of this, then maybe, maybe, maybe the suffering and the bloodshed and the mothers and fathers and families shattered and the pain and all of those things will not have been in vain. If you want another twist on the current conflict between Hamas and Israel, you'll find it in the July issue of The Intelligencer, a magazine I've not read before, but an article by someone called Simon Van Zylen Wood. Now, the article is actually about fertility rates and about the politics of fertility clinics in America. He then goes on to talk about how fertility and reproduction are viewed around the world. And one of his interesting statements is relating to Israel. And he says as follows. The most orthodox Jews who live in Jerusalem in particular literally view it as a moral obligation to have more children. And part of the reason they do this is to counterbalance Palestinians, he says. And what that's done is to take Israel very right wing. If ultra-Orthodox Israelis maintain their current birth rate of 6.7 children per women, they will account for a quarter of the country's population by 2050 and roughly double their voting power as it is today. In a war of attrition, maybe Hamas's fate has already been sealed by the sheer procreative superiority of the Israeli people. As if there weren't enough things to worry about, we now have a new threat, yet again from overseas. Damned foreigners coming here from France. Actually, we've got our own version, of course, and it's not just the Parisians who are letting themselves invade our country. We have had bedbugs for a long time. I was actually at a dinner party last December when this came up as a topic by people who know what they're talking about, both because of their professional... Uh, involvement with getting rid of them and also because someone around the table had actually brought some home with them in their luggage. Apparently they are highly resilient, nasty little creatures and there are 14 international varieties, one North American version being resistant to spray treatment. They can even get in the woodwork of your bed and be impossible to get out. The only way to kill them is with heat treatment which is highly inconvenient and burn your bed and get a new one. We had to change this topic in the end. It was just too scary and too depressing. 
I have reported in the past about strange and wonderful threats to our existence, including mushrooms, which you will remember maybe from one of my earlier podcasts that I talked about the mushrooms that tried to eat Basingstoke unsuccessfully, unfortunately, because let's be honest, we could do without Basingstoke. Sorry, if you live in Basingstoke, that's just a cheap joke. I really meant stains. Bedbugs. Bedbugs are all over Paris. They've closed schools. They've had people jumping out of metro trains to try and escape them. There was a long, long article in The Guardian recently about people that had been literally terrorised by bedbugs. One man even talked about waddling buckets of blood crawling across his floor, chewing his legs off. Some of the photographs were quite graphic, actually. If you end up with big red splotchy bites on your back, do think about whether or not uh, you have an infestation of bedbugs. Either that or your lover is too enthusiastic by far. And we don't want to see the photographs of that. Anyway, bedbugs are the big next thing uh, after Japanese knotweed and uh, young conservatives, things that threaten our very existence. Some people say you can actually get rid of bed bugs quite easily. Um, other people say actually there are serious problems. Oh, and by the way, the uh, bed bugs aren't just on the Paris Metro. Uh, Sadiq Khan even talked about the fact that some people have been claiming that there have been bed bugs in the London Underground. But uh, apparently that's nothing new. The London Underground is full of bugs. Anyway. You do need to call pest control if you have a serious infestation. And yes, they do look like little buckets of blood. And they are visible to the naked eye. Um, They can be as long as seven millimetres. For those of you that uh, are of the older generation, I think that's about a quarter of an inch. Maybe slightly more than a quarter of an inch. They're parasites. They feed on your blood and the blood of animals. But depends whether or not you keep animals in your bedroom. The small ones, of course, the baby ones, well, you you never spot them, but apparently they're very good at causing problems as well. So you can get advice about what to do about bed bugs on the internet. You do need to cast your net widely because some of the things you would think are obvious, like steam cleaners, don't necessarily work. And the problem is that bed bugs are like many other infestations. You think you've got rid of them and then they come back. The 15-Minute City is a perfectly good idea from Carlos Moreno, an expert in urban planning who currently lectures at the Sorbonne in Paris. And a few years ago, he wrote a book setting out the basic themes of it, which is that in an ideal world, we would be able to live in an environment where car use was much reduced, where we could walk, cycle, uh, or get to our place of work, our coffee houses, uh, our friends, our shops, and so on. Not all of them, just uh, the core of our basic urban existence. It's not even really about the 15-minute city, it's really a description of the 15-minute neighbourhood. And it's been adopted uh, in Paris by the Paris Mayor since 2019, and has been taken up by other cities around the world, including, uh, including Seattle, Melbourne, and Shanghai. 
it's generally considered to be a good idea. But no, Rishi Shunak and his transport minister, whose name I've forgotten because he's just yet another irrelevant Tory minion, have decided or, or decided at the Tory party conference to uh, attack the idea as being anti-motorist and creating yet another conspiracy theory out of nowhere to distract people from the fact that they are the ones who are screwing up everything and screwing over ordinary people. There is no conspiracy against motorists unless you are a sad old Daily Mail reader who only feels that you can get an erection when you're sitting behind the wheel of your car. Uh, we know that certain types of men, uh, probably the ones who still wear driving gloves, actually, you know, those ones with the strange holes in them that you pull down over your wrists, the people used to bite each other in the 1970s. These are the kind of people who are now subscribing to this conspiracy theory that for some reason having clean air and walking rather than going everywhere by car is, is wrong. Uh, Carlos Moreno says, that was never my intention, you know, and of course... As these conspiracy theories take off, they create all sorts of problems. And of course, he started receiving death threats because, of course, the conspiracy theorists assume that he is part of the deep state uh, and all those other wonderful inventions which bear absolutely no uh, water at all. So next time someone says to you, hey, do you fancy a trip to a 15-minute city or why don't we have a 15-minute neighbourhood, don't listen to Rishi Shunak or any of his ministers, it's a good idea, believe me. And your kids will thank you for it because you'll have cleaner air, they will do a bit of walking, get some exercise, and everyone will be better off. Culturally, this week was a celebration of powerful women. When I watched the National Theatre at Home production on Saturday night of The Wife of Wilsdon, which is an updated version of The Wife of Bath. It's written by Zadie Smith, the difficult to define novelist who fires broadsides in all directions when she writes her novels and is capable of being both populist and anti-populist at the same time. The central character in The Wife of Wilsdon is Alvita, a proper local legend, married five times, mother, lover, aunt, friend, who tells her story during a night at the pub when a stand-up comedian gets out a mic and says, tell me your stories. The question is, are you ready to hear Alvita's story because it is fairly challenging and because her former husbands, all five of them, are in the pub. It's a great piece of theatre. I need to watch it again in order to understand so many of the things in it that I didn't understand, partly I suspect because I'm a man, but it's also got some fantastic music and some fantastic set pieces. If you can see it, if you can get hold of someone with a subscription to National Theatre at Home or get one yourself, it is absolutely first class. Following on the theme of The Powerful Woman, we went to see Diva, the exhibition at the Victoria and Albert Museum, which is equally impressive and equally celebratory of powerful women and the right for women to assert themselves and lead the lives they want. Diva is a term which was originally applied to popular singers, 19th century opera singers, 
but has since taken on a number of different definitions, including the uh, unfortunate one of being rather disparaging about someone who thinks highly of themselves. But in this sense, diva is used to mean a woman, mostly a woman. I mean, Elton John and Prince do get a look in, but it's nearly all women from Dame Nelly Melba right through to Beyonce. And it talks basically about the image of the diva, not just about the words, the songs, the music, but also the costumes, the sheer flamboyance of exercising your right to be a powerful woman taking centre stage, but still having to fight the battles that women always have to fight. This week's play out is from level 42, The Chinese Way. Back in the 80s, something happened to me, which was I suddenly discovered a whole new world of music and listened to loads and loads of tracks by lots and lots of different bands. Whereas before, for me, music had been more wallpaper, with the one exception of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon in 1973, which, like everyone else, I was obsessed with. Anyway, going back to the 80s, I got into Level 42, even though I still have my reservations about them, but uh, they had a certain star and a certain slickness and a certain energy. Uh, um, the Chinese Way has a fantastic bass line, and I'm such a sucker for a good bass line. The lyrics suggest some hero worship of Chinese history, which I don't particularly subscribe to, although I do respect. China had universities when we were still living in mud huts. So you've got to appreciate that. And I think there's some spiritual and other things going on here, a bit of hero worship. Anyway, level 42 and the Chinese way, slap on your earphones, enjoy the bass line in particular.
This podcast was recorded, assembled, and edited in Hindenburg Pro. The script and elements were mapped out using MindNode. Incidental music and sound effects were supplied by Soundstripe, and voiceovers were produced using Revoicer. The Eye-Catching Words podcast is published every Wednesday. If you would like to become a contributor, or have an opinion, please contact us at the email address provided on the website.